Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to the COB. I'm Nadine Blaney. And I'm Andrew Gagan. Yeah, great to have you along with us um, as we begin. Well, that's our first day of the year, isn't it? <laughs> well, it is. And, you know, sometimes the brain moves a little slower <laughs> first day back from yeah. a good solid two weeks off. Look, we hope everybody had a really good holiday break. I hope you didn't miss us too much. We're back. We'll get you across what happened on the 8th. Eighth. I can't believe it already. Of well, January so has 2024. Since the last like two weeks where we've been off. And of course, you know, we ended the year with a flurry. Yep. A uh, bit of a different story since the beginning of the new year, though. Yeah, it certainly has been. So it's all about rate cut expectations. It's all about inflation once again to start 2024. And the thing about this week is we get some really key data. First, just before we see the final matchup for the S&P ASX 200, let's see how the SIBO Australia index has closed. And, you know, we were in positive territory for much of the morning, but we ended slightly negative, it looks like. Um, and, yeah, as we've got the match out going through the S&P ASX 200. We're down by about half of 1%. But Andrew, to my earlier point, I mean, we're, we're really watching out for inflation data, not just the monthly data mm. from us here locally. Um, but, you know, we get stuff from Japan. We get data coming from China and United States. Yes, yeah, certainly, as you say, inflation data on the calendar. Those came off the back of the non-farm payrolls on Friday, which mm -hmm. is actually part of the reason why we saw those markets come off again. Um, mind you, the ISM was more negative, so I guess there was a bit of a balance there. But mm -hmm. we did see those bond yields rise as a result and equities come off. So that seems to have flowed through in our direction at the same time. But yeah, we'll be looking at that inflation data because of course the uh, RBA meeting in what, just under a month's time? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget this year we do have that um, staggered sort of different schedule. It's not every first Tuesday of the month this year, but we do get the meeting in February. Between now and then we get the monthly read, which should give us a little bit of indication of what's to come in the quarterly read later this month. But globally speaking, we are seeing inflationary pressures coming off, but I put something on social media today on X or Twitter, whatever we call it, um, after I found a chart on Reuters just highlighting the fact that don't think about, you know, the impact of the, the Israel-Gaza war, Hamas war, I should say, as being, you know, an inflationary driver of the oil price. That's not it. Look at what's happening in the Red Sea. Look at what's happening for freight mm. uh, rates. And, and we haven't seen a disruption like this since, guess what? COVID, yep. which is when we saw these real inflationary pressures due to supply chains taking hold. So there are some out there saying, beware of getting too comfy with this narrative that inflation around the globe, particularly in the United States, is just going to continue to wane. Well, once again, goes that story that's, that's supply-driven rather consumer-driven. Well, let's uh, take a look at what's making news today. Uh, look, lithium very much in play yeah. today. Cali Metals, uh, Whisper Boss Energy Paladin, 
Uh, look, in terms of lithium, Cali Metals debuted it today. It did. Um, around 75% higher. You know, that's what's supposed to be in that first line. Yeah, I don't auto. think that the right. data is yeah. quite yet. I mean, it did just debut at midday. But yeah, really sort but of hitting the price, I think, is accurate, isn't it? Because it yeah. jumped around um, 75%, in yeah. fact, from uh, where it started at 25 uh, and look, I was just going to talk about also core coming off again in the yeah. space, being sold down heavily given that suspend its mining operations. Uh, Metcash there, former Premier Investments Chief Executive Richard Murray. Uh, to be but chief. I still remember him from JB Hi-Fi. I, I yeah, think well, that's sort of his Well, and that uh, goes to mantle. his track record, doesn't he? Yeah. Which is obviously impressed. And there, as a result, uh, he's been picked up there as Total Tools Holding business following the exit of uh, Paul Dumble. Yep, so we've got shares up by close to 2%. Whisper, though, in the smaller end of the market. It's had this takeover tussle going on, so it's now backing a buyout bid from Soprano over a rival bid from a VC. So we'll watch that one continue to keep going. But I think it also touches upon one of those themes from 2023, you know, that a lot of these really beaten down growth stocks or former growth stocks, you know, are, are finding themselves uh, really in the crosshairs of companies that are seeing, you know, there's some good prices out there. And um, just I, I just reminds me of a conversation I had with Jesse Moores from Spadium Capital today. It's online. You'll want to take a listen. He is really looking for, you know, massive inflows, a lot of renewed interest this year into mm. Aussie small caps. Now, another focus today, uranium stocks that uh, rounds out our top five. Their boss and Paladin both doing really well. Boss up some 9% as we see that uranium price continue to rise, in fact. Yeah, and uh, we had Britain announcing, uh, uh, I guess, furthering its nuclear energy program. So that helped the uranium stocks get a bit of a look in. And uh, yeah, on that, I spoke with Jonathan Tekinda from MPC Markets today. It's up there on the trade. I think it's up on the website now as a standalone interview because I thought it was really interesting. Um, he picks a couple of names. Actually, yeah, a couple of, a name and an ETF that you can look to leverage uh, the uranium story. Mike Gardner, also on uranium as well. Is a regular also from MPC show. Markets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. Funny that. Funny that. <laughs> All right, Kyle Rada is joining us from Capital.com. Kyle, Happy New Year. Nice to see you. Um, what took the wind, I mean, relatively speaking, what took the wind out of the sails here locally today, do you think? Well, I mean, obviously it was a bit of a mixed lead, as, as you noted before. We did see a bit of a lead lower when Chinese markets came online. Um, we've got the Hang Seng um, off by about 1.5% at least when I last checked. Um, and the and Chinese indices, the, the one that we price is what we call the China A50, so it's the A stocks, um, down by about 1% as well. So, I mean, a lot of that would be to do with the, the story on Friday night in the United States, you know, um, this kind of change in expectations around the pace and timing of, of, of rate cuts there uh, after the strong data. Uh, but it also, you know, raises those questions around or possibly trade tensions as well. Um, there are pockets of the market over there that, that, that appear to be reacting to this um, decision from uh, central authorities in China to more or less um, blacklist uh, certain um, manufacturers tied to the US defense industry. And then there's always that kind of prevailing question about you know how deep is the rot when it comes to, to Chinese markets, the, the issues in its economy. And, uh, you know, we've got some pretty key price data out of China as well this week, which will sort of tell us about the kind of deflationary malaise that the country finds itself in. So, yeah, really, I mean, we were, we're effectively just chopping um, in, a, in a, a range and, and mildly in positive territory for parts um, right until Asian markets came online. But now it seems sentiment is well and truly turned. And, you know, of course, too, we've got futures in the red as well. So looking like it's going to be sort of a, another dour start to the week after what was, of course, a, a dour, dour all week last week. 
Yeah, so yeah. what do you think we've seen since the beginning of the new year then, Kyle? Is it Because markets, of course, running really hard into the end of last year. Um, so are we seeing a sort of profit taking, a bit of a correction underway at the moment, or is there something more at play, particularly, I guess, with the prospect perhaps that those rate cuts aren't going to materialise as soon as perhaps expected? Yeah, no, I, I think effectively what we're seeing and what's underpinned all of this is a uh, reevaluation on the timing and pace of rate cuts in the United States. Now, I think a part of it anyway was sort of technical, if I may say so crudely, um, in nature where, you know, like any market, we sort of saw a bit of momentum taking over when it came to sort of pricing in uh, these rate cuts, you know, up to sort of six and a half baked into the curve um, at, at its peak, which was just before the, the, the end of the calendar year, 27th or 28th of, of, of last month. I mean, since then, we've seen the, the um, March Fed Fund Futures contract go from implying an 85% chance of a cut uh, to now down to closer to 60. And we've seen, again, um, the markets go from pricing in, say, six and a half cuts for 2024 down to about five and a half now. And that's been compounded by the fact uh, that we did see that, you know, strong uh, US data last week, not just from the NFPs, um, but, you know, also in terms of job openings, which show, still shows, you know, my, uh, in an absolute sense, a, a tight labour market. Um, and, you know, the jobless claims numbers were, were lower as well. There was obviously that concerning development, I think you could say just a concerning development in the ISM survey, uh, services survey, where we saw the basically a capitulation in the, in the employment sub-index, which, you know, sort of does sort of, um, I suppose, contradict everything else that we got in sort of slightly more backward looking data. But again, this whole story really is about um, the changing expectations around the pace and timing of rate cuts in the United States, maybe uh, sobering up just a little bit too. And in effect, we've seen everything else uh, as, you know, uh, tied to that kind of pal pivot trade uh, retrace. Um, and and, and that's, that's effectively the story. So, you know, effectively now we look towards these CPI figures as being the next big catalyst because that'll tell us, you know, effectively whether, you know, we really have to um, reevaluate the situation or whether the, um, you know, that kind of pal pivot trade can, can be sort of reignited, if you will. Okay, so not only, and just on that, I had a really interesting interview with Catherine Young from Fidelity International today about China. So just if you want to take a, a sidestep and listen to that interview, it's up online, ausbiz.com.au. Um, but Kyle, looking ahead, we also have bank earnings season. Actually, all of quarterly earnings season coming through for the US, but it starts with the banks on Friday. Uh, what are your expectations? Because obviously high hopes around the inflation read, but also high hopes around what's to come through from this uh, quarterly report. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, for me, this is kind of like the big contradiction in the markets at the moment when, when you do look at um, sort of price action and expectations is that, I mean, we have seen downward revisions, especially since last earnings season for what we're going to get this quarter from S&P 500 companies. The last fact set figures I saw were about 1.3% earnings growth. But if you look at sort of uh, the, the second and third quarters of, of this year, the United States, of course, uh, quarter two and three, is that there's being implied by equity analysts some fairly robust earnings growth and then earnings growth for calendar year 2024 of about 11%, which would be fairly consistent with an expanding economy and one which, you know, certainly wouldn't uh, typically be seeing inflation going in a sort of a disinflationary trend. So we've got rates markets more or less discounting these five or six rate cuts at the same time that you've got, um, you know, equity prices apparently uh, reflecting uh, what is, you know, incredibly robust earnings growth. So it, it sets up the markets actually, I think, for a level of disappointment because although we can you know, maybe see some upside surprises because the bar is set low for this particular quarter, uh, a little bit like last quarter as well. 
we're really prone to some downgrades coming through here, especially if you know tech fails to deliver, because I think there's a lot um, discounted there in terms of um, you know big tech, the Magnificent Seven delivering on effectively, uh, finally delivering on some of this kind of AI hype, and then also the consumer sectors too, which have proven resilient, and there's this sort of vague expectation that maybe that resilience will continue, but into a slowing economic environment, you know that's 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 highly questionable. So that's that's kind of what we're looking at. I think it actually poses some more downside risk because of the elevated earnings expectations. Uh, for, for um, this quarter, um, and yet you know the banks will, will, will keep things off as kind of the, the proverbial canary in the coal mine on on Friday. Kyle, great to keep things off with you this first trading day of the week. Thanks for joining us in Capital.com. See you soon. Thanks, guys. So. Um Let's just quickly run through some of the best and worst performers to see if any of those corporates, uh, well, the slim corporates with news out there made the list. And look, it's just a sentiment thing when it comes to uranium because none of, you know, Boss Energy, Paladin Energy, these companies didn't have news out, nor Andrew did DeGray's, did Regis, or as far as I can see, did GUD Holdings. Yeah, well, certainly, and we've spoken about uranium and the prices there. Also, well, obviously, a couple of gold miners there. Uh, it was a bit of a mixed picture, actually, mm-hmm. in fact, the, uh, the gold miners more generally there. But we did see the gold price hold up. Uh, it's sitting above 2,000 with expectations. In fact, a number of uh, brokers I spoke to and uh, fund managers expecting that uh, gold's continue to get a run. All right, um, we'll see. It's always at the beginning of a year, you know, it really means something when you say, we'll see, <laughs> okay. Core Lithium, as you've said, it paused its uh, development in the Northern Territory, its new production there, down by a further 17%. Magellan uh, did get a broker downgrade today. It's off by 8%. And yeah, going through the list, I don't see any news around for any of these companies, but, you know, that's what it's like sometimes. It's still pretty quiet out there. It's still very quiet. The well, city. if you're in that mode, aren't you, when you want to hit the sell button, then, you know, you just take a look at some of those stocks. And particularly, I guess, in some of those cyclical spaces at the moment too, where uh, it's pretty easy to sell them down. Yeah, I dare say we won't have a lot to add when it comes to these small to medium-sized companies here. But let's have a look. Uh, well, something happened with Metavisor up by... With more than 30%, I'll look into that one. Also, Experience Co. runs a lot of uh, tourism operations around the place. Um, if we oh, I just did an interview with LIS Energies, mm. they've uh, got that Geelong plant pretty close to production. He's, he did say that on time, on budget, looks like they will be into production at, at least um, by March. So that's a good one there. Just with MedAdvisor, I think I did see something uh-huh. in the fin today of a fundy mm. who was it was uh, among his picks in the small space and micro caps. And so with, that is a stock yeah. to get onto. And with a thirty cent company, you know something like that <clears> can <throat> move the dial. Um, flipping the page though to see the flip side. Okay, there you go. Appin is one of those companies uh, down by fifteen percent. Pretty rough ride for Appin shareholders yet again this year. All right, so let's get to our stock of the day, uh, Biome Australia. In fact, yeah, you spoke to them yeah. uh, a little earlier, but uh, we caught up with um, Daniel Ortizzi from The Stock Doctor and uh, also uh, Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool for their rating on the stock. If you are in that space and you can either have some significant evidence or just a general acceptance or, or belief, in this, then it's a good place to be. It's also great to be small. You know, it's, it's re- on one hand, really, really hard to get growth. When you're a tiny business, no one knows, really hard to get going. But at some point, a little bit of growth on a very small base 
adds up and adds up and adds up. Now, they're talking about having $12 million in sales over a year. For a small business, that's great. Uh, but of course, it pales into insignificance compared to almost any other meaningfully large company on the ASX. So getting an extra million dollars in sales shouldn't be that hard if you have a product, if you have a market right. fit, if you have a consumer base. So I, I kind of like the idea of, of Biome. I, I wouldn't necessarily invest in it. It's still losing money. We don't yet know where the ceiling is in terms of profitability and sales. Every company finds eventually a maturity phase. If they get that far, uh, Biome not even making money, as I said. So still a while to go. Uh, but one to watch, and that sequential growth, all you can ask if you're a small growing business is, hey, are you doing what you said you were going to do? Are you growing? Are you getting traction? The answers all seem to be yes on this one. So again, not not worth my money just yet, a little bit too early, but very hard to, to, mm. to say the company itself isn't doing a really, really good job of, of growing, doing, doing what it can. Uh, to be more successful, they're certainly ticking those boxes. Yeah, they're hitting that inflection point at the moment, but I think they have about $3 million in cash at FY23 end um, and a little bit of debt on the balance sheet. So I think, you know, raises is to come very likely at the moment. So for that reason alone, I'd probably prefer to be out of it. Um, right. Perhaps once the raise and the presentations come out, see what the strategy is. Well, Andrew, after just speaking with the CEO, I've got to say he took a little bit of an issue with those expert views. He said, well, that's interesting. He's talking about a raise when nobody in the business is basically saying, uh, yeah, they got it a bit wrong. Um, look, you will have to do your own research, information, not advice. But I will say that the share price of Biome over the past year, I think, is up by about 190 percent or something like that. Yeah, so that's we'll been see. impressive. But uh, to your point. Uh, worthwhile going to the website, checking out the interview you did with the company, yeah. and then also taking a listen to both what Scott and Daniel had to say about the stock. And maybe getting advice to say yeah. it again. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, let's take a look ahead. Uh, now, US consumer inflation, we were talking about that. Uh, huge expectations there, what it will deliver. Look, on top of that also, a bit of Fed speak this week as yeah. well. Yeah, tonight we get Bostic. I wonder, mm. I don't actually know who else is scheduled for this week. We get a read on consumer credit and also inflation expectations um, and in the eurozone which you know we'll be getting up up and running relatively soon we get uh, consumer confidence and we get a centix investor confidence read as well and tomorrow uh, we'll take a look at retail sales that's going to be interesting off the back of uh, Christmas of course uh, building approvals for November um, and elsewhere, Eurozone unemployment data and German industrial production as well. Uh, locally, Premier Investments goes ex-div. Yeah, it's one of those companies that reports out of cycle. So that's why we're getting that one at this late stage. Um, speaking of late stage, I think we're getting the big wrap up here, Andrew. And we've got the last of the day's trades having gone through the S&P ASX 200, really reflecting what we saw in the SIBO Australia index today, uh, down by about half of 1%. So that's not... Well, it's not the best way to start the week, but we've got four more days. Yeah, well, we've got the rest of the year, Nadine. Come we've on. got the rest of the year, Andrew, <laughs> to look forward to. Uh, so on that note, I guess we'll be here to do it all again tomorrow. Absolutely. See you then. Mm -hmm.